Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is March 15th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Oh my gosh, it's Tuesday, not Friday. Don't pack your bags yet. It's an early podcast for the week. Later this week, we'll be doing live from the uh, Western Candy Conference, but uh, we're doing a special podcast for all you listeners out there. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the conflict in Russia and Ukraine and what is it going to do? How is it going to impact commodities and what do our experts think about it? So today I'm joined by, yes, a lot of guests, five guests. As I like to say, they're a gaggle of guests. So Jeffrey Rosinski, say hello. Hello, Mike. (laughs) Consultant to the stars. Uh, He loves that, I know. Uh, Craig Ruffalo, Vice President (laughs) McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Craig. Hey, guys. How we doing? Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, everybody. And the director of the fastest growing part of McKinney Flavelle Risk Management, Sean Bingham. Hello, Sean. Good afternoon, everyone. Excellent. And finally, but not least, our Vice President of Information Sales and Service, Nicole Thomas. Hello, Nicole. Is it Friday yet? <laughs> no. I think she wants it to be. <laughs> okay. She needs to fill out her bracket, so she chooses oh, Kentucky oh, to win the whole thing. March right? Madness. If my name were Kevin, I would choose Kentucky. <laughs> yes, Kevin's not joining us today, so we miss you, Kevin. But like I said, what we want to do today is talk a little bit about this conflict and what uh, what might happen and how it's going to impact uh, commodities in general. So I thought we'd start with the consultant for the stars, uh, Jeffrey. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, cocoa and energy? Sure thing, Mike. So uh, obviously that part of the world over in the Ukraine and Russia is not a big cocoa growing area, but it is a big consuming area, um, as was witnessed in the the fall of the um, the Berlin Wall. Snicker bars were known to be used as a quasi sort of street currency for barter over there. So I think the, the biggest thing that you can expect might be a, a dip in consumption in some of the Baltic states with the conflict as people focus more on evacuation and the humanitarian crisis. So I think that has some people revisiting perhaps some of the, their grind or their consumption figures for that part of the world. So that might temper some of the uh, some of the, um, the the growth that people have been projecting in terms of consumption for the current year. Probably more eyes are turned more on the energy market with the, the halting of the permitting process for Nord Stream 2, obviously switching gears now, talking obviously about energy um, with, the, um, with Russia um, now kind of taking a look at some of their exports of natural gas and other commodities around the world, kind of in retaliation for some of these sanctions that have been placed on them. Um, energy remains a very volatile space. We've seen crude spike up to $130 a barrel. Thankfully, we have come off a little bit here. We've traded back down to sort of mid-90s now uh, per barrel, but we've all seen the sticker shock that many of us are facing at the pump as some of the distillate products, home heating oil, gasoline, and the like have all spiked in response to the, uh, the crisis over there. The good news for everyone is that winter is quickly winding down here as I'm looking outside and we're going to be flirting with and getting up into the upper 60s, lower 70s for the mid-Atlantic states. So spring is right around the corner. So had this crisis been happening back in November, December, going into the winter, I think it'd be feeling a lot more uneasy. I feel, yeah. I think right now everyone's feeling a little bit better with spring right around the corner, but certainly Germany and parts of, uh, of Western Europe are going to have to revisit some of their energy strategy and policy with how they plan on covering themselves next winter um, with uh, with Nord Stream 2 seemingly at this point on uh, on permanent pause. 
Excellent. Okay, great. Let's uh, let's move on to Craig. You're up. All right. Well, I think the one that uh, I've been focusing my attention on is has been corn. Uh, obviously, Ukraine is a very major exporter of corn, and so it's got the attention of the markets. And with the drop in South America, most folks are concerned that everybody's going to turn back to the U.S. as far as corn exports. And so we're looking at a balance sheet that's been reduced in the March WASD and anticipated to probably further reduction uh, going forward here. So my concerns on corn is that the March 31 planning intentions report is going to reflect a little bit of a reduction in an acres uh, for corn. It's going to have another near-term spike in uh, futures prices. The other component of all of this that uh, has got some people watching uh, nervously is, of course, the inputs, the fertilizer. Russia is a major uh, exporter of fertilizer, and they have halted exports. Uh, and Brazil is a major buyer of Brazilian uh, fertilized inputs. So there's a little bit of concern about the input uh, costs going on in Brazil for the next crop year. As far as the U.S. farmer goes, uh, very little in the way of fertilizers actually coming from Russia less than 7%. Uh, we are a major importer of fertilizer from Canada, so I don't see that this uh, conflict is going to have an impact on us there. So bottom line, guys, I think what we got to watch is the March 31 planning intentions. If we do see less than a uh, million and a half to two million acre uh, reduction in corn, that could be a nice uh, little trigger back to the corn market to sell down uh, near term uh, and certainly on the new crop uh, deferred months. But other than that, uh, you know, we're going to be following the soy complex and the wheat complex. A couple other people might be talking about that. Well, holy, that's a great recap. Thank you, Craig, and, and holy bread roll. Let's go with uh, Eric on wheat. <laughs> you like that one? Nice, nice, nice transition, Mike. Beautiful. Holy bread roll. Oh, my goodness. Holy bread roll is right. Yeah, we've talked about a, for a long time uh, this conflict in regards to wheat and being the black cloud over this market, really since going back to late last summer and late last fall. And each month, it seemed as intentions increased, so did wheat pricing along with concerns for wheat and the main reasons why there obviously is because Russia is the singular uh, single largest exporting country of wheat in the world with the Ukraine at number four. So collectively, again, they are responsible for about 30% of the global wheat exports in a given crop year. So obviously some major concerns there of not only exports, but uh, also what the crops will look like for this upcoming growing season. And when it comes to Ukraine, uh, we did talk about this last week as well um, in our podcast post WASD, but the Ukraine is very similar uh, to that of the state of Kansas here in the United States in terms of climate. So hard red winter wheat is what's predominantly grown there, roughly 95%. So basically all the crop is already in the ground and is now going to be coming out of the dormancy stage here relatively quickly. And it's usually a pretty key time frame for fertilizer application, some top dressing for in the fields with manure and what have you to try and give the crops a boost to start the uh, growing cycle once again. But there is um, reports even in the last couple of days, and this has been a concern for a little bit here is now that we've gotten into this uh, conflict is what will the output look like for the crop here this year. Um, it seems to be that there's some local Ukrainian estimates coming out even just this morning that the Ukrainian crops 
for spring crops could be down as much as 39% versus last year. Wheat is also going to be looking at a potential reduction somewhere in the potentially low 20%. So we're already starting to see some numbers come out of, of crop reductions. And, you know, if we start to see 25, 30% loss for the winter wheat crop in Ukraine uh, because of some, you know, damage that's already been done from the hostility, that, that would be about 2 million hectares that that'll be impacted year over year. So pretty significant when you're talking Ukraine exports roughly 66% of their total production and Russia exports about 45% of their total wheat production. So again, major contributors, USDA already did factor some of this in last week in the WASI report, taking down Russia exports by 3 million metric tons from 35 to 32 total million metric tons for this crop year and the Ukraine down 4 million metric tons. So they've already started to put a stance out there that this is coming. It's just more or less how long does this last? Um, you know, certainly some damage has already been done to rail lines, especially in the Black Sea along some major ports. Significant damage uh, is being reported there, including vessels that have been hit. So the impacts have already been felt and it's likely will be felt for some time when it comes to grain exports, specifically out of the Black Sea. So really, this is going to put a bigger reliance on the U.S., the EU, and Australia to kind of pick up the global slack for what is anticipated to come from Russia, Ukraine. And if you kind of look quickly at what's going on in the U.S., again, we're coming out of the dormancy window, and our crops are not looking very good in terms of uh, the winter wheat conditions in the Southern Plains being very dry. So all these things are very concerning to wheat and obviously pushing prices up to some pretty high levels. So I think we've uh, seemed to have established a new high band of pricing here, very wide, but it seems that the market reached up to, you know, 1350 to near 14 bucks as a high last week and came down and reached, you know, 10, 10, 50 a bushel when you're talking Kansas City and Chicago wheat futures. So this could be the next and new range here for the foreseeable future, um, you know, 10 to $14 plus, but a um, lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty still, but certainly this is a uh, very bullish for wheat. So thanks, Mike. Okay. Thank you, Eric. Great recap as well. Uh, Sean, uh, you're up next. Yeah, thank you, Mike. What is technically happening? Well, I was I'm going to hit, hit a little bit on uh, uh, on the economic impact here at the at home and uh, okay. And I would Let's add to uh, Eric's comments. I noticed you know it hadn't dawned on me, but uh, with regard to wheat, we're we're seeing uh, uh, the premium that we saw in Minneapolis spring wheat compared to uh, winter wheat contracts has completely evaporated. In one of the uh, we are currently in one of those rare times when you uh, you can buy winter wheat. Uh, cheaper than spring wheat, and that that doesn't happen very often. Uh, economically, uh, guess what tomorrow is, Mike? You want to guess? Nope. Okay. So uh, tomorrow is FOMC day. I'm not even going to let you guess. <laughs> I know. I was just March 16th. March 16th. I thought you were going to ask me another like who won the Super Bowl in '72 thing. Yeah. No. 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 I'm I'm, I'm crazy. I'm not quite that crazy today. Yeah. Uh, FOMC day tomorrow. Uh, we're going to probably get the. I wouldn't say problem. I think we're very very likely to get the. First uh, rate hike coming out of coming out of COVID and with CPI inflation running at nearly eight uh, percent market as of last night was pricing in a easily twenty five basis points 
perhaps a little, you know, perhaps they could move it to 50. What's interesting is the things were bad enough. All that inflation data that we just got was all pre this uh, uh, Russian uh, war on Ukraine. And that has only accelerated everything here at home. This has put Chairman Powell in a very uncomfortable place. Had had that not happened, I think he had he chosen, he probably could have slow walked some of these rate hikes. Now we were pricing in fifty before because inflation was getting up, but but the market has backed that off to closer to twenty five here recently just mainly because of the economic impact and what we're seeing in the equity markets. But the reality is this isn't, this isn't decreasing inflation. It's accelerating inflation. And if, you know, if the current administration is, is not going to be willing to perhaps, you know, think about the XL pipeline again, or, or talk about energy independence, uh, the only person we have to fight inflation right now is Powell. And, uh, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. He has one tool, and that's the Fed funds rate. It would not surprise me if we see a 50 basis point rate hike tomorrow. I think it's an outside chance, but a real possibility. The bigger problem is I think we're looking at 100, 150, maybe 200 basis points of rate hikes over the next 12 to 15 months. And it, you can almost look at no point in history where that hasn't caused a recession. So uh, the, the bad news here is not just the humanitarian crisis uh, in Ukraine and, and the spike in, in oil and the spike in all these food prices, but we're also probably going to be looking at a, at a relatively lengthy uh, recession if the Fed has to try to hammer this stuff uh, down by itself. And I, and you can look back to, uh, you know, the 1980 spike in CPI, uh, is probably the best barometer we have. And, and in that spike, we went through two, uh, a fairly short re- recessionary period, uh, in 1980, but then we went into a much deeper recessionary period in about July of 1981. And that, and that lasted until about October, uh, November of 1982. So I, I, I think, unfortunately, if the, one of the biggest impacts of this down the road is going to be uh, uh, probably a recession here in the United States uh, in, in the next 12 to 15 Oy. months. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Sean, uh, for the recap. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> kind of. But hey, yeah. listen, you know, not all information is positive. You got to be reality, right? So uh, we're going to leave it to Nicole to wrap it up. Nicole, it's all yours. Come on, Nicole, bring it home. These guys are depressing. I know. Well, they're just realists. <laughs> I mean, good grief. So you're going to lead a meditation circle? I mean, it's going to cost me $80 <laughs> to fill up my tank. I can't buy another car because can't get parts. Uh, yep. Uh, my house value is going to stop rise. I mean, geez, I'm going to need some booze, but no Russian <laughs> vodka. <laughs> No Russian vodka. We're going to bring it home and have uh, some red Let's wine out of the state of California. There we go. There you go. I like so I get, to wrap, I get to wrap it up talking about oils. Yay. Yes. What does Ukraine right. provide from an oil standpoint that could be impactful? What is, better yet, Ukraine and Russia, for that matter. Uh, I think they call it sunflower oil. And those two countries represent... About 50% of global production and about 75% of exports into the global market. And the only other places we can get it 
is well of of size i guess i should say argentina is about 11 percent the eu is about five percent and turkey is about five percent five six percent for those last two so if anyone was wondering why soybean oil futures traded uh all the way up to above 80 cents a pound in uh recent trading sessions that probably has something to do with it, along with the ongoing issues that you know we talked about last week during the WASD podcast across the oils complex. Uh, and then looking towards the 22, 23 year, and you know, can we get a nice gain in acreage for soybeans in the US? Can we get a recovery in our canola production out of Canada and maybe start making a dent in some of these things? It's possible. And probably the term dent is a good a good term to use, unless you're thinking about dent corn, which would be competing with soybeans, and that would necessarily be a great thing, unless you buy corn, which is very expensive right now, too. I don't have anything good to really contribute to this. Way right? to bring it I'm home, sorry. Nicole. Way to bring yeah, it home. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, I felt that. We're, uh, hey, hey, hey. We're, we're going to continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. We're going to hope that we can get some resolution to this soon. And we're going to hope that the damage yep. is, is minimized to what's already been done. There you go. So, and soybean oil was, the nearby contract was 72 cents. Nice. That's down from 82 cents. So there's my positive piece. Boom. There you go. Uh, there's your positive. And I appreciate your humanitarian comments. Absolutely. We talk about commodity markets, but uh, there's some people being really impacted right. uh, over there. So we we pray for peace as we always do. So um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this special podcast. But before we let you go, uh, what do we have, uh, Eric, coming up on April 27th? That would be our spring seminar, Mike. And Sean, where can people register for this spring seminar? I'm guessing uh, McKinney-Flavel.com. There you go. Yes, exactly. And um, Jeffrey, can you do it virtually and in person? Yes, you can. Oh, my gosh. And finally, Craig, where is it? <laughs> it's in Oak Brook, Illinois, Mike. Like, oh, my God, the La Meridian. We're going to be there. Oh, the La Meridian. What a beautiful place. And we hope to see you guys, everyone there. But if you can't, just join us virtually April 27th. You can register at McKinney-Favel.com. It's going to be talking about similar things that we're talking about here, but much, much, much more. It's the number one rated one-day conference in the commodity space in the entire world. So voted true. by all of us That's here. That's right. <laughs> Just ask us. That's exactly right. Yes. Hey, but if you but if you attend virtually, we can't buy you a drink. So keep that in mind. And you're going to want that drink. Yes, you're going to want that drink. Okay. I think we're all about ready to drink out of this. <laughs> um, but uh, one other thing, uh, just before we let you go, we did talk about energy here today. Uh, keep us in mind if you're having uh, struggles with energy or uh, want some uh, counseling on energy on how we can help you a little bit more there. Please reach out to, uh, to whoever you talk to at McKean or just uh, give us a call. And then finally, uh, always live with an attitude of gratitude, if not to day immediately <laughs> because <laughs> you got to be grateful for what you have each day it's a it's a yes. tough world out there and uh everybody we need to come together as a world and live with peace and uh, gratitude and etc and until our next podcast take care everybody 
That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.